Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today we're talking about season two, episode 11 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called By the Light of the Moon, and it happens to be the season two mid-season finale. Very exciting. As always, I will read The Vampire Diaries wiki synopsis. As the full moon approaches, Caroline helps Tyler prepare for the transformation he is powerless to stop. While Stefan and Catherine play mind games on one another, Damon and Alaric are suspicious when a stranger named Jules shows up in Mystic Falls, searching for her friend, Mason. Elena is frustrated at the lengths Jeremy and her friends have gone to in order to keep her safe. Bonnie and Luca work together on a spell, while still keeping secrets from one another. Finally, Elijah makes an unexpected appearance with an offer that could change everything. There are a lot of great moments in this episode, uh, starting with Elena being stuck in her house, continuing with the Damon and Alaric plan some acting from both of them we have a lot of fun despite all the drama yeah we do get some fun we get some little romance vibes um some good ones some that i wish would end but we open the episode with tyler watching mason's video again as if somehow it'll make him feel better obviously it won't yeah tyler pause that yeah you you don't have to watch it a lot i I think you know what's gonna happen it's gonna hurt and you know what you're gonna live it yeah So he's packing a bag of chains and everything, and he's getting kind of overwhelmed. And so he decides to try to call Mason again. Now, Mason, of course, doesn't answer because, as we all know, he's dead and has been dead. But he leaves a voicemail on a home phone because his cell phone's voicemail is full. Again, he's not cleaning it out. He's dead. Yeah, so he's been calling the cell phone over and over. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not working. So he's like, okay, time to try a new approach. The voicemail box is full, and I have not heard an answer. Um, But luckily, someone hears this message. Yeah. He says, hey, the full moon is tomorrow. I found the little video you made, and I'm kind of freaking out, and I need some help. And as he's leaving the voicemail, we see a woman, who we later find out to be Jules, eavesdropping on this phone call. Now, this is a guest star. Her name is Michaela McManus. Some people might know her from One Tree Hill. I didn't watch One Tree Hill. But more importantly, you know what she's going to be on? What? Season three of You. Oh, my God. I think the initial press release is basically that she's going to be, like, their next-door neighbor. That's what I would have guessed based on the the trailer, that she's in their new little neighborhood that they seem to be living in for some reason. So that's what we will know her from, though we may not know her from that just yet. Yeah, I didn't watch enough One Tree Hill to recognize her from that. She she set off no alarm bells in my head, although I did see her, and I said, wait, what was Jimmy's girlfriend's name? And I was like, is this Marla? And it, it was not. But it was a fun guess that I came up with. Not an awful guess, but not correct. <laughs> not awful, but not correct. Yeah. <laughs> so then we go over to the Gilbert house where Elena is sitting in her room. She's looking at the Moonstone, and she's asking Bonnie, like, what the plan is with the Moonstone. And Bonnie's like, well, it binds the curse. So if we remove the spell, the stone is useless, which I don't know if they have enough information to really think that's true, but I guess it's better than doing nothing. Well, they've heard this information from Slater, and I think that him dying, you can reasonably assume that he died because he gave that information, not that he gave that information and unfortunately was still killed after planting information. Yeah. So it's not crazy to believe this. Unfortunately, this is very likely untrue. Yes. And Elena says, well, even if the stone becomes useless, Klaus is still going to be vengeful. And Bonnie's like, well, he might not know. Okay, what about what we know about Klaus makes you think he's just not going to ever find out about this? Well, like, I think Elena's on the right path. And she's like, look, we can stop the spell from breaking, but then he's going to be mad we stopped the spell from breaking. Like, either way... Either I'm getting killed or everyone else is getting killed. Yeah, it's not a problem solve. Yeah, there's no path that they seem to be going down that solves that issue that Elena's having, which is why they take matters into their own hands to stop her from doing anything. And Elena right now is more concerned about Stefan being stuck in the tomb than the Moonstone. And Bonnie's like, Stefan wants me to focus on the Moonstone, and honestly, I'm taking his side. Because the alternative is you being sacrificed, which none of us want, even though you seem to be perfectly cool with that. And Elena's like, are you fucking kidding me? I've spent months trying to get you to even talk to Stefan, and now you're taking his side? After he killed her grandma. Roundabout, but still. So Jeremy (laughs) comes in, and he's like, hey, what are you guys arguing about? And Bonnie doesn't say anything, but she does look longingly at Jeremy, and then she's like, mmm, I need coffee. Elena does not clock the longing look, because she's a little absorbed in her own drama right now. Yeah, story of Elena. Yeah, they're both looking at each other and kind of like, what's wrong, what's wrong? And Elena's like, (sighs) ah... 
<laughs> so Bonnie leaves and Jeremy asks Elena why she's on a suicide mission. And Elena reiterates what she's been saying, which is that it is to protect everyone else. And to be fair, Jeremy was on a suicide mission last week. Yeah. So him calling someone out for a suicide mission, not the most meaningful. But Elena called him out for that suicide mission. Everyone goes on suicide missions and then gets mad when other people do. That's true. The way of the vampire diaries. Jeremy leaves the room, and Elena takes this opportunity, of course, to take the Moonstone from Bonnie's bag, which would seem like an oversight from Jeremy and Bonnie, if not for what we find out in a second, because Elena tries to leave, and Bonnie asks where she's going. Elena says she's going to see Stefan, and Bonnie's like, well, you're obviously lying. And Elena's like, no, I'm not. And while they have this little conversation, Jeremy goes up and confirms that Elena took the Moonstone, and Bonnie says, we were testing you, and you failed. And Elena's like, what? And Elena's like, look, Klaus killed Catherine's entire family because she, you know, went against him. I don't want that to happen. So Elena tries to walk out the door and, you know, get her shit done. But there's a barrier on the door. As it turns out, Bonnie put a spell on the house so Elena cannot leave. See, Bonnie, putting up the barrier, not an issue for her. Taking it down, that's where it gets bad. But the barrier up in a house, A plus from her. Well, yeah, exactly. Easy. It's a less complicated spell. Yeah. Because it's, ta- it's keeping just one person inside, not all vampires. Yeah, that's true. So then we go over to the tomb where Damon is catching Stefan up on everything, including the fact that they trapped Elena in the house, which Stefan is overall supportive of. One thing about Elena, she will go out and do whatever she deems best, and that's not really the vibe that we're looking for right now. So this actually was a very good plan to be like, okay, sit tight, because you know she never will of her own volition. Yeah. And Damon says Elena's on a murder tear, but he also says that he and Bonnie are getting along, which is fun. I mean, they're getting along in context of their relationship. Relative to usual. I mean, and it's still Damon saying, like, you should just be happy me and the witch are getting along. Like, you can say her name, Damon. No, he can't. <laughs> he can't. And Damon brought a little care package, a pillow, a blanket, some stuff, and, of course, a bottle of blood. And Stefan says, don't give that to me because then I'll just have to share it with Catherine. I would say not necessarily. Yeah, open your throat up, buddy. Act like it's a shot. But I get the concept of that he doesn't want any in here. He doesn't want to give Catherine even the chance to get stronger. I get the idea. I think it's a little stupid, but I get it. And Catherine remarks that they are surprisingly calm considering that Klaus will one million percent kill them if he finds out any of this. Yeah. And Damon says, well, I've been dead before. I got used to it. And Damon tells Stefan, like, look, we're going to figure out the Moonstone. We're going to get you out. And Stefan is basically like, don't worry about me. I'm fine. Just make sure Elena's safe. And Catherine rolls her eyes because she's like, come the fuck on. Catherine's like, can we shut up about Elena? Can I just sit in a tomb with my boyfriend for a bit? Yeah. She's like, can I relish this win of him being stuck in here with me for a day before we just keep talking about Elena? But we cannot. And then we go over to the Lockwood house. Tyler is packing a bag, and he tells his mom that he's going to lunch at the grill, then practice, and then probably going out, and he says he'll be late. Of course, we know that's just to cover his tracks, because it's a full moon tonight. Yeah. So as he's about to leave, the doorbell rings, and Jules is at the door. She introduces herself. She says she's a friend of Mason's from Florida, and she's trying to track him down. And Carol says, oh, well, Mason's in Florida. He went back a while ago. And Jules is like, actually, the thing is, he isn't. And Carol and Tyler both are shook by that and don't look pleased or comforted. Yes. They know something's up. So then we go over to the grill where Jenna and Alaric are having lunch. And Jenna says she's, you know, helping Miss Lockwood who played the dead husband card. So she is helping this writer who's here to write about small town Virginia. And they try to sell it as just like a conversation so we know what Jenna's up to. But immediately you thought there was something nefarious about this writer. Yeah, I said, okay, so this historian writing a book is Klaus. Which didn't turn out being correct, but it wasn't far off. Mm-hmm. So she goes out to meet this mysterious writer, who we'll meet later, and Alaric notices Tyler come into the grill, and Tyler goes up to Caroline, and Alaric eavesdrops because they're, like, a table away. He doesn't even need vampire hearing. And Tyler says, hey, so this woman stopped by and says that Mason never made it back to Florida. My mom is freaking out, and she called your mom. And Caroline's like, oh, my God, let's go. And so they leave the grill... But as they leave, Caroline gives a little look to Alaric as if to say, like, you got that? Like, did you just hear that? (laughs) And he did. So he gives a little bit of a nod. 
So then we go back to the Gilbert house where Damon is there to visit Elena and make fun of her being pouty uh, because she's kind of throwing a little tantrum that they have to <laughs> lock her in the house so she doesn't kill herself. It can't be fun to be the main character and not be able to leave your house. Yeah. I mean, I'd be pissed too. And Elena's like, oh yeah, well, like, what did Stefan say about you locking me in the house? And Damon says, yeah, he had a good laugh. And she was like, what? <laughs> she's like, not Stefan. And then she's like, okay, well, how did Stefan feel after hearing that Elijah was still alive? And Damon's like, well, I didn't really tell him because there's honestly nothing he can really do about it. Yeah, what's the point? I mean, he's just gonna get, like, nervous and worried and, like, what are y'all gonna do? Let him deal with Catherine. Yeah, of course, he'll find out about Elijah later. So then Jeremy comes in and they discuss, like, the division of duties. Bonnie is on Moonstone duty, Damon is on Elena duty, and Jeremy says, okay, well, who's on Tyler Lockwood in the full moon? And Damon says, Vampire Barbie, who is Caroline, obviously, volunteered, and he's like, and I let her because I don't want to do it, and she volunteered. And I know he means Vampire Barbie as an insult, but I think it's a compliment deep down. I know. (laughs) And Elena says, wait, tonight's the full moon? And Damon's like, yeah, you're too absorbed with your suicidal tendencies to know that. <laughs> so then Damon gets a call from Alaric. And Alaric says, hey, so the sheriff just declared Mason a missing person because a girl from Florida came looking. And we don't know who she is, but something's up. And so Damon's like, okay, I'll meet you where you are. He's going to the girl to meet Alaric. And Damon's like, change of plans. Jeremy, you're going to babysit your sister now because I got somewhere to be. And Jeremy's like, cool, fine by me. Yeah. I'll hang out. Good job for Jeremy. He he went from having no jobs to having a job. So this worked out for him in the long run. Yeah. And Damon says, you know, Elena, you should get out. Enjoy the sun. Oh, wait, you can't. And she throws a pillow at him. Jeremy laughs. Damon laughs. We're all having a good time. Everyone's having fun except Elena. <laughs> exactly. So then we go into the woods where Caroline is driving Tyler to the cellar. And we get a nice, subtle Ford Fiesta spawn because that's the car Caroline drives. Subtle being the operative word. Yeah, it's it, blink and you'll miss it. <laughs> and then Caroline says, hey, you know, maybe Mason, like, stopped to surf somewhere. Isn't, like, that his whole thing? This is a good attempt to throw him off the scent. It, it's not enough, but what can she really do? Yeah, and Tyler says, well, this woman just seemed to think, like, Mason would call. And Caroline's like, well, I'm sure he's okay. And Tyler's like, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, he's like, I kind of got some other stuff to deal with tonight, so this really isn't my problem right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then we go back to the Lockwoods where Jules and Carol are wrapping up their conversation. Jules tells Carol, like, hey, call me if you hear anything. Oh, and I want to say goodbye to your son, too. And Carol's like, uh, yeah, he's at the grill. I'll tell him you said bye, lady he just met. Yeah, she's like, that's weird, but whatever, bye. She's like, I don't, I didn't even like Mason that much. Like, this isn't important to me. And then Carol says, you know, Jules, let's hope for the best. And Jules is like, yeah. So Jules gets in her car and starts to drive away, but then she parks like a little ways down to make a phone call. She calls someone and she tells them that Mason is missing and whoever she's on the phone with was right that Mason was lying and there is another werewolf, his nephew. Who do you think Jules is on the phone with? That is a great question. As soon as you started saying this, I was like, who was she on the phone with? I kind of forgot that that was part of it. I'm guessing another werewolf. We've been led to believe that Mason figured out how to be a werewolf all on his own. That seems like it's difficult to do, to just put all that together. So it would make sense that he would know some other werewolves who have run into them. I don't know how Catherine separated him from that pack relatively easily, but... But we'll see. Yeah, I don't know who specifically, but I'm thinking it's another werewolf who knew Mason. Sure. Jules knows right away that Tyler is a werewolf. Probably because she's put the pieces together that he called panicked about the full moon. Yeah, she was able to figure that one out. That's not too deep. And it's clear at this point, I mean, she obviously knows about werewolves. So at this point, it's like, okay, there's a good chance she is a werewolf. But we don't get confirmation right away. So then we go over to the grill where Alaric and Damon are prepping their plan. They see Jules walk in and they know that's the woman they're looking for because it's a TV show and we don't have time to, like, do guessing. Well, also because she walked in and saw Matt and said, hey, this is weird. Do you know Tyler Lockwood? Sure. And who else would be asking, do you know Tyler Lockwood, except a woman looking for werewolves in Mystic Falls? Like, no shade to Tyler. People either know who he is or they don't. Sure. And Alaric asks where Mason is. Damon says he's decomposing in his truck. And Alaric asks Damon if he thinks Jules is a werewolf, and Damon says, well, I hope not because it's a full moon, but we should find out. Luckily, Damon has some wolfsbane. So then we go over to the Lockwood cellar. Tyler's getting all his chains set up. He's upgrading some of the equipment. Caroline provided the wolfsbane to mix in the water. 
They're kind of doing a rundown of all their tools, getting everything set up. Tyler says his chains can hold up to 5,000 pounds. And Caroline's like, uh, how much can a werewolf lift? Yeah, and he's like, I don't know. I'm hoping not 5,000 pounds. Yeah. And then Caroline says, like, oh, how are you? And Tyler says, well, I'm still human. He's clearly keeping himself busy with the preparation as a distraction. And then Tyler takes off his shirt, and Caroline's like, whoa, are you going to get naked? He's like, no, I have, like, elastic shorts on. I don't really know if I get to keep my pants. And she's like, let's hope not. (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) So then we go over to the Martin household, where Bonnie knocks on the door to return Luca's dog tags. And she's like, hey... So, sorry about that. Because obviously she came in knowing, like, so you know what I did. He's like, you know, I don't know what makes me more upset. That I taught you how to channel or that you almost killed me. And she's like, well, you know what? Honestly, I would not have done it if it wasn't important. And he forgives her really fast. Yeah, he's like, okay, sounds good. And it's like, oh, okay. Which she should see as a red flag, but I get why she doesn't. Yeah. He lets her in, and he shows her around their apartment, which is just, like, filled to the brim with grimoires. He says they're from all over the world, and that his dad is obsessed with finding them and collecting them to keep family heritage intact. The way his family sees it, all witches are family. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just going to say, yeah, he found all these grimoires. Some were in locked homes where people thought they were keeping them safe. I'm just guessing. Why do you think he stole all these? What do you think why he gains he from stealing them? More spells. More power. You don't get power from spells. It's like owning more cookbooks doesn't make you yeah, a good cook. Yeah, but the more spells he knows of and is capable of doing, the more powerful he is. Because we can assume sure. that the way they describe it is that every witch has their own grimoire. So there's probably some spells that are in his grimoire that are not in someone else's grimoire and vice versa. Sure. So there's all these extra spells, and so he learns a lot by having more grimoires. And also, you know, he is a confirmed thief. So... Well, he only stole those things from Elena for a spell. I think it's possible he's just collecting things. It's possible. I think he probably collected some, and I think some he's come into. Maybe he didn't steal them. Well, you have to assume that some witches have died. Yeah. So he can have their grimoire. But why didn't they get passed on to their family? Some people don't have children. That many witches don't have any children and want to give it all to this one he man? He only had like 20 books. I don't know. That's a lot of grimoires considering we've only seen a family with one. Maybe. Maybe. I just think it's suspicious that he has a lot. I also, you know, don't trust him for obvious reasons. Well, yeah. So that's part of it. So we'll see. And also, I just want to point out, Lucas says that his family thinks all witches are family, and you still want to fuck Bonnie? That's incest, my guy. Yeah, I, that's your fucking cousin. And Bonnie's like, oh, is that why you're so nice to me? And he's like, that's one reason. Laying it on a little thick. Um, Leave her alone. That's Jeremy's girl. And she says, hey, uh, can you break, you know, the bind between a talisman and a spell? And he's like, well, every spell is unique and different, uh, so I don't really know, but we can figure it out. Now, of course... We know by the end of this episode, he knows exactly which spell she's talking about, so he also knows the answer to it. But we go along for the ride for a little bit. Yeah. Then we go over to the grill, where Alaric and Damon are about to give the performance of a lifetime. Alaric approaches Jules at the burr, and he plays the role of the drunk burr regular who's hitting on her. Alaric is a good actor. We saw this when he went to the vampire house and pretended he needed a phone. We see it now. He's very good at these little doofy roles that he plays. He likes to give a performance. He's basically like, hey, let me buy, I'll have a scotch, whatever this lady's drinking. And she's like, no, thank you. Yeah, whatever this pretty lady wants. Yeah. (laughs) And she kind of rebuffs him, but he's being consistent. You know, he's not being like outright rude, but just like a little bit annoying. Then Damon swipes in and says, hey, is this dude bothering you? And Alaric's like, I'm not bothering anyone. And Damon's like, great, do it somewhere else. And then Damon turns to Jules, bonds with her. He's like, oh, that's kind of the town drunk. He's harmless. But, you know, we just put him in a cab at the end of the night. Now, while he's explaining Alaric's backstory or perceived backstory, Alaric's putting Wolfsbane in Jules' drink. Yeah, and then he goes off to his little back booth to just kind of sit and watch this unfold. He says, don't talk to me like I'm not here. He passes the drink over to Jules, and he cheers her. She cheers him, but she does not take the drink, and then he retreats and leaves her with Damon. Mm -hmm. So then we go over to the tomb, 
And Catherine's like, oh, we're fasting now, huh? How long have you gone without blood exactly? Because I know you say you understand desiccation, but you've never actually felt how it feels for your veins to feel like sandpaper. Yeah, he's never actually had to do this, and Catherine has at least done this for short periods Mm -hmm. before. And Stefan says, you know, the pleasure I get from watching you suffer will be greater than any pain. And she's like, you know what? It is very stuffy in here, and I've been in this dress for a few days. I would love for you to take this dress off for me. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. He says, Catherine, please, please don't. So she tells him not to be a grump. She takes off her dress anyway, and she's like, you know, we should really make the best out of us being stuck here together. She says, you know, Damon's going to rush right to making out with Elena if he has a chance, uh, and that's probably already happening, so you might as well make out with me. And then they make out. And I was like, oh my god, I've been saying Stefan doth protest too much. And you know, it's she looks like Elena, and she's bringing the jealousy thing. So this was believable for a moment there. And then Stefan wakes up, and we get confirmation that that was a dream Catherine was making Stefan have. I just love how much she puts herself into dreams. I think it's funny. It works every time. It really does get under Stefan's skin, which is why it's so fun to do. He really shouldn't react so strongly or she'd stop doing it. Yeah, and now she's like, wow, eternity in here is kind of cool, actually. And Stefan is like, I wish I was desiccated already. (laughs) So then we go over to the Gilbert house. Jenna is clearing some boxes out of the closet, and she's like, oh, Elena, help me out. And Elena's like, what is all this? And Jenna's like, oh, it's files from the Historical Society. Mrs. Lockwood wrote me into helping with a research project. And then she says, and by wrote me in, I mean I'm very excited to help. And she closes the closet door to reveal the writer she's helping. And it is none other than Elijah. And Elena's like, oh my god. And Elena is terrified. But Elijah just says, hi, I'm Elijah. Yeah, because he's like, oh, he he he. So Elena plays it cool. And Jenna's like, hey, you know, Elijah, you can like stay here and look through the files. We can help you move them to your truck. And Elijah's like, oh, I'll just have someone come pick it up tomorrow. And she says, oh, cool, great idea. And he says, well, Jenna, thank you so much for inviting me into your home. He says, wink, inviting me in. Remember that rule, Elena? And then he says, and Elena, I hope to see you again soon. And she says, "Mm mm-hmm. And here's my question. So I've been thinking this for a little bit of time, and we know he got invited in by Jenna. But the originals have all these little loopholes to rules. I'm not convinced they have to be invited in. Yeah, we didn't see Jenna invite him in. It's worth noting that we didn't actually see Jenna invite him in, that he was in. So the assumption, given his word, is that she did invite him in, but since we didn't see it, it's possible that he just wants Elena and everyone to believe that he has to be invited in. Well, and Elena, you know, doesn't know that he can compel other vampires. I'm not sure that she's entirely convinced that, like, he's not able to be killed by a stake, because all she knows is... She thought he was dead, and now he's alive. Like, oh, we must have missed his heart. That's a very reasonable thing to think. Yeah. So I'm just saying there's an opportunity for a loophole there. We'll see, though. So then Elena goes upstairs to find Jeremy to tell him that Elijah is there. But before Jeremy gets to the door, Elijah sneaks up and shushes her, and Elena actually listens. Jeremy answers the door, and she's like, um, you need to go help Jenna with the boxes. And Jeremy goes downstairs, and Elijah says, that's a wise choice. And she's like, hey, so what do you want? And he says, you know what? I think it's time that you and me have a little chat. Which I think it is. Uh, It is time indeed. I mean, she's trying to sacrifice herself. Here's the person who would do it for you at this point. Yeah. So then we go back over to the grill and check in on Jules. Damon is, like, recommending accommodations in town. He says, you know, there's a and b there's a motel. And Jules is like, you know, no frills is fine. I'm just here for the night. I'm looking for a friend. And he says, oh, who? And she says, Mason Lockwood. And he says, oh, I know Mason. He's a great dude. Yeah, Damon's like, oh, my God, I know him. We're totally friends. And Jules, of course, says, yeah, he's missing. And Damon acts surprised because what else can he do? And she says, hey, how do you know Mason? And he says, friends of friends. And we get another peek here to remind ourselves that she is not drinking her drink. Yeah, she has not had a single sip of this. So then we go back over to the cellar. Tyler is chained up. It's almost 8 o'clock. He says the moon won't crest for a while, but from what he knows from Mason, the first transformation can happen before the moon hits its apex. Sure. Mm -hmm. And Caroline says, do you know how long you'll be a wolf? He says, 
I don't know, a few hours, maybe more, maybe less, so he knows nothing. There's no clear timeline here whatsoever. I mean, he saw Mason's video, but it seems to be a very individual experience. Yeah. And he's freaked out. He tests the chains. He decides to drink some wolfsbane water to diminish his strength. And Caroline is like, hey, are you sure you want to do it? And he's like, I kind of have to. And he can barely keep it down. He's, like, throwing up. He's crying. He's having an awful time. And Caroline hugs him to calm him down. He, like, tries to send her away. He says, don't. But eventually he accepts it, and he says he's sorry. So he's really just letting her help him. Yeah. He's finally settling into that. And, I mean, he knows he doesn't want to do this alone as much as he doesn't really want someone around. It's nice to have that option. Yeah. So then we go back over to the Gilbert house where Elijah and Elena are having their aforementioned chat. Elijah says, look, I mean your family no harm, first of all. And she's like, well, I don't really buy that, but... (laughs) And she says, why did you kill the random vampires who were going to take me? And he says, well, I didn't want you to be taken. He says, you know, Klaus is the most feared and hated of the originals, but those who fear him are desperate for his approval. And if word gets out that the doppelganger exists, vampires will be lining up to take you to Klaus, and I don't want that. And she says, why? Because that's what it seems like he wants to do from everything she knows. Mm -hmm. And he says, let's just say my goal is not to break the curse. What's your reaction to that? What do you think his goal is? He tells us. I mean, his goal is essentially to gain Klaus's trust. And also, this is interesting because the whole idea was like, well, it's a good thing Elijah's dead because then no one knows the doppelganger exists. But Elijah being alive, like, he's not telling anybody. Yeah. He's like, no, this is my bargaining chip. Everyone else is not getting this doppelganger. Mm -hmm. And Elijah gives us a little, some clues about his relationship with Klaus. He says, Klaus's obsessions have made him a paranoid recluse and he only trusts his innermost circle. Elena says, like you, and he says, not anymore. What do you think happened with Elijah and Klaus? Because up until this point, we thought he was, like, kind of on Klaus's side. See, I I assumed he was on Klaus's side, but he was clearly a lower level, because how else would people have even gotten in contact with him? So I always saw him as not even the consigliere, but what the, you know, the foot soldiers of the mafia is kind of what he seems analogous to. But Elijah makes a point to say not anymore about him being in his innermost circle. So we can assume that at some point he was in his innermost circle. No, he probably broke his trust somehow. Maybe let Catherine get away the first time. I mean, we saw Trevor really caused that, but it's not like Klaus was like, oh, that was all Trevor. Like, Elijah, you should have been able to clock that out of Trevor. That's one example. But it's probably some level of, like, some plan didn't go well and Elijah was the fall guy for it. And also, you know, being the oldest vampire, there's some pressure with that. Because if you get killed, then someone else becomes the oldest vampire. Like, you want to keep being old. It's like, if you're, like, 300 years old, the pressure isn't as high because you don't feel like you need to be the oldest vampire. So that's why he's a recluse. He's hiding. He doesn't want to get hurt. And if anything, like slips then he's the one who's the target sure so something some mistrust with elijah is probably what caused that and i mean anyone who's like the mob boss the most powerful like you can't keep someone in your inner circle forever because else they're going to get too comfortable you do have to it has to be a no one's safe mentality sure and elena surmises that elijah doesn't know where klaus is and is using elena to draw him out And Elijah more or less confirms that and says, for that to work, you need to stay put and stay alive. And Elena says, okay, well, how do I know that you're telling the truth that you, like, actually aren't on Klaus's side? And he says, well, if I were lying, then your whole family would be dead and I'd be taking you to Klaus right now. And she's like, okay, fair enough. And that holds up. That seems to hold up to me. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, he clearly wants the doppelganger for Klaus, if he could just bring her to Klaus, he would have by now. Yeah. Like, it's not like this is his first chance to grab her. Mm Mm-hmm. Elijah says, instead, I'm going to offer you a deal. And Elena listens to the deal. Elijah says, the deal is you do nothing. You live your life. You don't fight. And then when the time is right, you and I are going to lure Klaus out. Your family and friends are going to be completely safe. And then I will kill Klaus. And I am a man of my word. So... If I'm Elena, my first question is, well, well how are you going to kill Klaus? Because you came back to life. But that, she doesn't seem to ask that. It is funny because he's like, you're just going to stay put. And you would think Elena would be like, mm, no, I don't like that part of the plan. 
<laughs> well, if she gets to stay put and everyone stays safe, then that's fine. Yeah, that's true. It's not like he's telling her to stay put and your family still might die. Yeah, he seems perfectly happy to let everybody else live. Because all he wants to do is kill Klaus. So why do you think Elijah wants to kill Klaus? Maybe he's, like, close to an age. It's like, if the mob boss is killed, they need a new boss. You think he wants to be, like, the head original. Yeah. And even if it's, like, Klaus is the oldest, so maybe it's by age now. But if Elijah would kill the oldest original, he'd automatically be the king for that. Because I'm sure, you know, other people, even the consigliere, the other foot soldiers, are also scared of Klaus. It's not like everyone's, like, loving kissing his ring all the time. Sure. From what we can surmise uh, based on this Sopranos metaphor that I seem to be leaning into. Yeah. And she says, okay, how do you think you're going to keep everyone safe? And Elijah says, you know, I know your friend Bonnie has the gift of magic. I have friends with similar gifts. And she's like, so you know witches. I don't know why he had to do a whole little (laughs) workaround. (laughs) And he says, yeah, I'll work with witches and we're going to protect everyone. So we have a deal. This deal seems pretty good. That basically... She just sticks around and doesn't die. And then eventually, she's used as bait, still doesn't have to die. Yeah. And then Klaus gets killed. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a downside. Any potential downsides here? Well, when you're bait, you're not always going to live through that. Especially because he is the most powerful vampire. Even if Elijah wants to kill Klaus, that doesn't mean he can. Sure. You know? Do you think Elijah knows how to kill Klaus, or do you think that's something he still has to figure out? Oh, I think he has a plan. Like, I think he knows what he would have to do to, like, kill him and keep him dead. But I can assume if Elijah knows how to kill an original, Klaus also knows how he would be killed. And given that he's paranoid, probably has some safeguards in place. Do you have any theories on how one would kill an original? I do have a thought, actually. I would love to hear it. So, the stake doesn't work. I think you have to, like the heart thing, you just have to make it impossible for them to heal. So ripping out a heart, but I think that's not enough for an original. I think they have to be fully decapitated and you got to keep the head elsewhere. Okay. That's, that's what I've been thinking in the back of my head for the past few episodes. I, I've been wondering the same thing of how you would actually kill an original. Yeah, so killing, I mean, well, killing I Klaus would be easy then. You just need to decapitate him. Yeah. I just assume it's some sort of dismemberment and separating everything. Sure. So it can't all find its way back. I mean, maybe they can all just crawl a little bit, but just, you know, at least give them like 50 miles that the hand has to get, you know? Sure. It'll take a while. Exactly. (laughs) We'll see. And Elena seems kind of on board with this deal, but she says, I need one more thing from you. And he says, oh, so we're negotiating? And she's like, actually, as a matter of fact, we are. And he hears her out. But we go away from that for a minute. We go over to some rooftop somewhere where Luca and Bonnie have set up a circle of candles to do their little spell. They flirt a little bit, and he says, hey, so what are we unbinding? And she takes out the moonstone, and Luca says, oh, it's a white rock. So he pretends like he has no idea what he's involved with here. Yeah, he obviously knows that's the moonstone. Yeah. And he says, hey, what is it spelled with? And she's, like, not going to tell him, but he seems fine with that. So they hold the moonstone and they start to do a spell. The flames on the candles get big, the moonstone floats, and it explodes in sparks, similar to how the amber crystal did in season one. Now, Bonnie should question things, because at the end of season one, when she said she was, like, de-spelling the Gilbert device... She she, did exactly this. Yeah. So she should, like, suspect, like, okay, how do I know it's actually de-spelled? That's the crazy thing about these spells is, you know, they're invisible. So de-spelling it, you can't actually tell when it happens unless you know what the spell is. And yeah. Bonnie seems to be like, okay. Which I guess, why wouldn't she? She thinks Luca's trustworthy. See, this is the issue. She spent so much time doubting vampires and put all this extra trust into witches. And it's like, mm. Maybe you shouldn't have. Maybe Stefan and Damon are actually more trustworthy than some witches that you know. Yeah. So then we go back to the cellar where things are getting rougher for Tyler. He's in pain. He's burning up. Caroline tells him to breathe through it, which I appreciate what she's doing, but that's not going to help. Yeah, I don't think that's quite enough. (laughs) Tyler tells her she should leave, and she says, no, not yet. And then Tyler's bones start cracking in new directions, and he cries in pain. And Caroline is like, ooh, yikes. Yeah, Caroline's like, ouchie. So then we go back over to the grill to check on Jules, and Damon basically says, hey, you know, I'm good friends with the sheriff. If you need any help with Mason, like, I got you, girl. Mason's a great guy. Like, he stuck around to help his nephew after his brother's funeral, and Jules is like, right, Tyler. And Damon's like, yeah, Mason helped Tyler through all of the grief and everything. 
So Jules assumes at this point that Mason knew Tyler was a werewolf and helped him through it, which is not Damon's intention. Yeah, he didn't mean to to say that, but that's definitely how it reads. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay, so he, he's been here training his nephew. He's been here training his nephew, and also like since his dad's funeral, like I'm sure Jules is like, oh, so Tyler killed his dad. <laughs> well, I mean, we can assume that Mason told Jules he was going to his brother's funeral. Oh, I guess that makes sense. She probably knew that's why he came to Mystic Falls. Yeah. But didn't know why he stayed. But we don't know actually how close Mason and Jules truly were. If they knew each other that well or if they just knew each other in passing. We don't even know if she lived in that apartment where that phone call was. She, oh, I don't know. We just know that she, she yeah. was there. Yeah. I mean, she could have had a key or she could have broken the handle. Yeah. We don't know if she was <laughs> actually Mason's friend. Yeah. But we have no reason to believe that she was. Mm-hmm. Then Damon is getting a little bit impatient with his performance. He's running out of lines, and he says, you know, you haven't touched your drink. She says, you know, I'm honestly not much of a drinker. I think I'm going to head out. Well, and I get that she doesn't want to, like, show that she knows this wolfsbane in it right off the bat. And she doesn't need to say that. But I'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't really like, like, actually drinking drinks that a town drunk gave me. Like, I'm not trusting that. I don't trust that guy. And then order a new drink, whatever. She's trying very hard to do what Mason did and not give anything too much away. Yeah, like at the, the barbecue. Silver. But unfortunately, Damon is pushier this time because he is familiar with what Mason did. And he says, Oh, come on, one drink. And then she says, One drink. And she cheers. And then she sees there's really no way out of this. And she says, You fool. His act drops immediately. They both drop their little act. Yeah, because he's like, Okay, so. We're not even bothering with this anymore. You made me just talk to you for an hour and a half before you let yeah. this slip. She says, you think you're so clever, don't you? And he says, what do you want with Mason? And she says, he's my friend. And he said, well, you're not going to find him. <laughs> he's like, well, you better get over that. And he says, you need to leave town. And she says, you're threatening me on a full moon? Are you a full dumbass? Which, fair enough, but also like, girl, the moon isn't full yet. <laughs> yeah, you're not transformed. And so then Rick comes up, his performance is also done, he's like, hey Damon, ready for a second round? And Damon says, oh, I think we're done here. And Damon says to Jules, like, do you think I'm afraid of you? And she says, no, I actually don't think you are, but that's your vampire arrogance. I sniffed you out the minute you walked in this burr, and you're a pathetic wolfsbane. I've been at this a long time, and any other night, you'd be fine. But tonight is not the night to pick a fight with me, and you've been marked. Yeah. So we find out that from the time she got to this bar, A, she knew he was a vampire. She knew they had Wolfsbane, and she was just fucking around. Just biding time. And she does threaten him, and she does make a good point that any other night, she would probably leave town. Yeah. But this is the one night she has a leg up that she knows of based on the legend, but we'll get to the legend. So then we go back over to the cellar, and Caroline's like, hey, I really want to help you, but I really don't know what to do. And Tyler's like, uh, there's nothing you really can do. And then his bones crack in some new shapes some more. And she cries. He tells her to get out because he doesn't want to hurt her. She hugs him. That continues. Not yeah. much happens here. Back and forth on that all night with them. Yeah. Then we go back over to the grill where Rick and Damon are heading out. And Damon is, like, looking for jewels. And Alaric's like, hey, you know what? Look up at the sky. You should let her go. Damon is really angry, but Alaric makes a good point. He's like, look, if the werewolf stuff is true and one bite will kill you, you should go home and lock your doors and we'll deal with this in the morning. Yeah. And Damon, despite his anger, does agree that that's the correct move. And, you know, a couple points here. I think a werewolf can run through a door whether or not a deadbolt is on it. I think a smart move would be to stay in public. What's she going to do as a wolf run into a bar? Yeah. I mean... I think it's foolish of him to go to the Salvatore house. Yeah, everyone knows it's his house. He'd be better off at the Gilbert house. Yeah. Either way, he shouldn't be hunting her down at this moment. I mean, he shouldn't have let her get too far away. should have killed her right when she left the bar. But who am I? Yeah, but then we would just have whoever she was calling coming after her. That's true. But then kill him too, or her. So then we go back over to the cellar. Caroline and Tyler are hugging, and then the pain comes back. Caroline tells him to fight through it, and Tyler begs her to leave. And she says she's not going anywhere. But then some more bones crack. His eyes turn gold and some fangs appear. And Caroline's like, you know what? No, I actually am going to go somewhere. She's like, actually, that that was the sign I was looking for to leave. Like, I, I didn't want to leave until I had to. But it, it seems like it's time now. Yeah, so she closes the gate to the cellar. 
she watches him, but she doesn't leave. But she does have the gate between them now. And she sees him break some chains. And she's like, oh, that that's not good. <laughs> and then she sees him, like, run toward the gate and kind of, like, snap at her a little bit. Instinct is taking over. So she closes a bigger door. And she says, I'm really sorry. She cries. And then we see inside the cellar, there's more bone cracking. He crawls into the shadows. And we see pieces of the real transformation. Some hair coming in around his gold eyes. His legs turning into hind legs of a wolf, etc., etc. And then he becomes full wolf. And we know this because we stop hearing human cries of agony. And we start hearing growling. And then he starts to try to break out, so she blocks the door, and she does a little vampire run away. Yeah, she's like, nope, I'm out now. It's sad because, you know, she really didn't want to leave him. She was like, you know, I was so alone, I'm not going to do that to him. And she was like, okay, um, unfortunately, I, I do have to go Yeah, now. unfortunately, I could die. So then we go over to the Salvatore house where Damon is arriving home, and he does lock the door. One puny little deadbolt. Not sure that's enough, Damon, but sure. And it's really quiet, but he hears a little bit of movement... And it is none other than Rose in just the oddest outfit you've ever seen. I don't hate either of these shirts by themselves, but together, It's just not right. You have been alive a long enough time. You don't have to dress ugly. She hasn't gone out in the day in a long time. She hasn't seen her outfits in full light. (laughs) And so Rose is here, she says to Damon, to apologize about Elena because she didn't know she had a death wish. And additionally, Rose had nowhere else to go because she has no friends. Yeah, her only other friend she had, uh, she just got killed by asking for information too much. So, yeah. And Damon says, you know, there's nothing here for you. And then a window breaks and they go to investigate it. And I get why Rose would want to investigate it because she doesn't think anyone's hunting her. But why does Damon go towards the sound of the window? Yeah, if I'm Damon, I'm going in a closet, baby. I'm leaving the house. Yeah. I'm out of here. But, but he grabs a sword off the wall. He's he's getting ready for something. Yeah, and then the wolf is standing there. It jumps on Rose, and it bites her, but Damon stabs it, and then it jumps out the window and runs away. So we're all scared, because at this point, we know that werewolf bites are likely fatal, but it heals. It does heal. Pretty normally, and everyone's like, oh, okay. Maybe we're good. So that's nice. But just because it, like, doesn't kill you immediately doesn't mean it's not fatal. But at this time you saw it heal, you were pretty convinced it was done. You said, wow, you know, I did predict that a couple times. (laughs) I did, but I also predicted it was fatal a couple times. (laughs) You had all your bases covered. I mean, I think it's one of those things, you know, the werewolves clearly do be spreading rumors. Yeah. They spread the silver rumor purposely. So I don't think it's crazy that they would have spread the rumor that the bite is fatal to vampires because they're like, look, there are not that many of us. We don't need the vampires coming after us and killing us. Especially because vampires and werewolves don't seem to interact much yeah. outside of the events of this show because all of the vampires on the show had never seen a werewolf before. And so it's possible, too, that the werewolves had never seen a vampire. So all of them might know the legend about werewolf bites, but none of them might actually know if it's true. And so it's it- not impossible to think that Jules was like, oh, I heard this and it's true. And it's really not. And it could also be, you know, that it was fatal at one point and then something evolved. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not weird. Especially because werewolves are living and dying. Yeah. Like, I mean, that gene might have disappeared from the gene pool if it wasn't important. They weren't seeing any vampires. Science. A little evolution moment. Sure. And then we go over to the Martin household. Luca gets home and tells his dad that it was successful. Bonnie fell for the show and didn't suspect a thing. Luca gives the moonstone back to his dad, but he doesn't give it right to his dad's hand. He puts it on a book away from his hand. So Luca is clearly a little salty about having to betray who he considers a friend for for these purposes. She seems to be his only friend in Mystic Falls because they just moved here and he hasn't had time, but also because he's only been talking to her because it's the plan, he clearly feels very guilty about this lie that he's like, yeah, she totally believed it. And he's like, it's kind of fucked up that we're doing this to another witch. Like, I thought we were all family, but... Yeah, he feels annoyed by it. And then he says, you know what, I'm going to go to bed. And Jonas says, you know, actually, no. Elijah wants one more thing from us before we lose the full moon. So then we go down to the tomb. Catherine's like hey, I want to talk. And Stefan's like, okay, well, we can talk about how you regret making my life miserable. 
And Catherine just basically says, like, you know what? I'm not really sorry for anything I've done. It's all about self-preservation. That's what I've been doing for 500 years. And I don't feel bad about that. But I do love you, even though you don't believe it. Yeah, Catherine's like, look, I've been watching out for myself for 500 years. I don't regret that. That's why I'm still here. But I was never lying about being in love with you. And he knows that deep down. He just refuses to acknowledge it. Well, but also it is, he makes a good point that she can say that all she wants, but she's never done anything that would make him think she was actually in love with him because she keeps betraying him. So he says, okay, then do something. Prove to me that you're worth trusting. And she says, but you'll still hate me no matter what. And he says, maybe, maybe I'll see there's hope for you, which she should be like, well, obviously he's lying, but what else can she do? She says, you're playing me. And he says, am I? Which means yes. Yeah, I mean, come on, Stefan, hide it a little bit. Well, he doesn't need to hide it. She falls for it. Yeah, I guess that's true. She says, okay, fine. You want to find Klaus and you want to kill Klaus to protect Elena? I don't know where Klaus is, but I can help you find him. Because it's also in her best interest to know where Klaus is. Well, I think this is, you know, you say there's no proof that Captain loves him. I think the proof is that she's letting herself get played by him. She knows she's getting played and she's still giving him information. Well, that's what I'm saying. He asked her to prove it. This is how she's proving it. She hasn't proven it before, though. I don't know. I think she... When has she ever done anything before? I think she's done things in the path of her life that he would not read as proof, but she would read as proof. Oh, can you name one? Like her following him around for years, following him to see Bon Jovi, her coming back to Mystic Falls and like seeking him out specifically. Like That's not why she came back to Mystic Falls. Like that's the thing is she's never done anything that would make Stefan actually believe she's in love with him. Until now. There's stuff that hasn't been for Stefan's benefit. Like when you think about when she left Mystic Falls and she like kissed him on the cheek and said, I love you and left just because he doesn't remember that. Well, yeah, there's no proof that Stefan has. Everything else has been for her benefit. Fair enough. So until now, when she is actively letting herself get played by him because Stefan's no mastermind. And I don't think Stefan fancies himself a mastermind who can outsmart Catherine. And I think she knows that. So I think she knows that her allowing herself to be quote-unquote tricked, even though not really tricked, I think that's how she's proving to him that she's in love with him. Well, what about when she was allowing herself to be quote-unquote tricked when she pretended she was on Vervain? That was for her benefit. Because she could sit, hang out with him, and she never offered him any information during She that. gave him information. She, not enough, and he didn't push her enough. That's well, yeah, his Yeah, but that's, that's the thing. That was also for her benefit to spend time with him. It wasn't to offer him something with nothing in return. Her wanting to spend time with him isn't enough to prove she loves him? No. What What is quality time as a love language, then? She's not. What's her love language? She spends time with a bunch of people. She spent time with fucking John Gilbert, too. Not that much time that we've do seen. Do you think, do you think, Catherine, really, really think about this. Do you think Catherine would pretend to be trapped in a dungeon for John Gilbert? If it benefited her, yes, I do. I do not think so. If it I don't think her. for a whole day. I think she would have done it for an hour, maybe. Not a whole day. I think if it relied on her self-preservation, she would do it. If she, if she needed it for self-preservation, she would marry John Gilbert. It doesn't mean she's in love with him. It's all about self-preservation. Her telling Stefan how to find Klaus is the opposite of helping her self-preservation. Whereas her telling Stefan backstory about her life that leads him to the Moonstone does preserve her because it puts a target on him. Because he's the one who's going to be going against Klaus. Whereas her... Helping him find Klaus to bring Klaus to Mystic Falls? That actively works against her. Not if she leaves Mystic Falls. Well, she can't leave Mystic Falls. And when she's in this tomb, she doesn't think she has that option. She doesn't see that as a realistic thing. Now, granted, maybe if she tells Stefan enough stuff, he'll force them to get her out. But that's the thing is, like, right now, this information she gives him actively goes against her usual goal. Whereas everything until now has been in addition to her usual goal. I think you could make the argument that her telling Stefan about this is circumventing, maybe, but in a way, trying to get her out, because she's like, okay, the more information I give him, maybe he'll, when they come to get him out, he'll let me walk out, too. Sure. So I think there's still some self-preservation here. But I think that's not a guarantee. But I think the way Catherine shows love is, like, I I mean, everything about her is self-preservation. That doesn't mean there isn't, like, little ways of showing love that Stefan would never read that way. But if Stefan doesn't read it, it's not showing love to Stefan. It's showing love for herself. If your love language is different from someone, 
you can show love in your way and they might not read it right away. Well, yeah, but then it's like being in love with someone and they can't pick up on it. The thing is, is like she can't expect Stefan to just accept what she's saying without actually getting any poop for himself. Oh, no. Stefan is, is picking up on it. He just doesn't trust it. Yeah. Because she's uh, not doing a- it honestly. How does he know that for sure? <laughs> Look at her. She's never been honest with him. To his knowledge. Yeah. That's all he has is his knowledge. Well, he's also built up this view of her that she always, always lies. I don't think she is. I think her lies and her truth are indistinguishable from each other, but that doesn't mean that she only lies to him. She pretty much only lies to him. 90% of the time. I I will give you 80%. Okay. Anyway. But she does offer him information here. She says, you know what? Start with Isabel, Elena's mom. She was a research expert, and she found me, and then says, you're welcome. And this is a good point, because Catherine, as we know, not an easy girl to find. Well, and as we know, most people thought Catherine was dead in this tomb, and Isabel somehow found her. So Isabel clearly is very good at research. Mm -hmm. And then they hear some movement at the front of the tomb, and they go investigate and find Elijah. Which, of course, shakes them both to the core. Catherine cannot even hide her fear. And Elijah says, thank you, Catherine, for having the good sense to be frightened. Yeah, she definitely looked scared of him. And Elijah tells Stefan that his release has been negotiated. And he says, what? (laughs) Stefan's like, you're alive? Yeah, he's like, go back. (laughs) And Elijah says, the lovely Elena drives a hard bargain, but we reached a peaceful agreement you can leave. And Stefan's like, no, I can't. I'm literally in this tomb. And Elijah's like, no, I had the spell lifted. So we can assume the Martins did that. He says, I had the spell lifted. So you can just walk right out. And Catherine like watches this closely because obviously she's not going to try to run unless she knows she can absolutely get out. So she watches. Stefan gets out successfully. Catherine tries to make a break for it, but Elijah stops her. And he says, you on the other hand. And then he compels her and he's like, you don't get to leave until I say so. So the spell is gone, but Catherine is still in the tomb. And Stefan sees this happen, he's like, okay, fine by me, I, I'm not fighting for that. Elijah says, you know, when Klaus comes back, he's going to want to know exactly where you are. Which is fair, it's good to keep her in this one place. And, I mean, there's nothing anyone can do about it, because it's not like any other vampire can undo the compulsion, she's just kind of hanging out there. This is interesting that he got, I mean, presumably the Mertens to lift the spell on the tomb, but they said specifically he needs something before we lose the full moon. So in some way, the full moon power made that tomb spell easier to lift. I mean, we can also assume the Mertens are better witches than Bonnie, but clearly the full moon had something to do with that spell as well. Well, Luca told us that you can channel using nature. So we can assume that they channeled the power of the full moon, which means that's something we could see later. Yeah, which means that's something Bonnie in theory could have done, but she was about to try to open the tomb again when she almost died. Exactly. Doing it. And Elijah says to Stefan, Elena will catch you up on our agreement. If she keeps her word, I'll keep mine. And then he leaves. And Catherine's like, hey, Stefan, please don't leave me here. And Stefan says, bye, Catherine. Stefan's like, uh, sorry, this worked out pretty well for me, unfortunately for you. Yeah, she was being played. And to be fair, she kind of deserved it. She would have done the same thing. Yeah. Not to say Stefan played her into being stuck in the tomb while he got out. That was his eventual goal, but it just kind of fell into his lap in this way. Yeah, exactly. So then we go into the woods, where Caroline is walking around, she hears some sounds, and tentatively she heads back to the cellar, She can't tell if anything's happening. She doesn't hear any sounds. So she calls out to Tyler and he says, Caroline, in his human voice, so she knows he's not a wolf anymore. She opens the door. She finds him human again, crying, balled up in a fetal position, totally naked. Yeah, all all curled up. He did not have a fun night. Yeah. So she covers him with some fabric and says he made it. He didn't get out. He's okay. And he's like, no, I'm not okay. He's like, no, that hurt real fucking bad. And he cries and they hug and it's a really cute, sweet moment. Then we go over to the Gilbert house. Elena is still trapped inside, but she's looking out her window, and she sees Stefan come into the entrance of her room in the reflection of the window. They hug, they kiss, they make out, and you know what? They deserve it. Good for them. And nice of Stefan to not come in and be like, what kind of deal did you do? Like, have a nice little time. Yeah. Like, forget about the drama for a second. So then we go over to the Salvatore house again, where Damon and Rose are catching up, 
Damon says, Caroline confirmed that Tyler didn't get out, so they know the werewolf who attacked them was Jules. Damon apologizes because he's the one who picked a fight with Jules, and so he's really who she was coming after. Rose is like, well, all's well that ends well because my bite is healed, so it is all fine. Yeah, she's like, it's kind of moot, like, didn't do anything. And Damon says, you know, I'm happy the legend was fake, which is the closest thing Damon's going to say to, like, I'm happy you're alive, I like you, etc. Yeah. They presume that werewolves made the legend up to keep vampires away. It follows with what Mason did with the silver. It makes sense. And it's not like they had any true confirmation that a werewolf fight was fatal. They've heard a couple things from a couple sources, and they're like, well, we might as well assume it's true. So it's not like a crazy thought that it wasn't true. They never were completely convinced. They were just out of an abundance of caution following it. Yeah. And then they saw a bite heal. So they're like, oh, good, we're safe. Rose says she's going to stay to help protect Elena because she likes him and they both need friends. And again, she has nowhere else to go, so it's not like she's doing him a big favor here. She basically is like, look, I'm not going to fall in love with you because obviously you're obsessed with Elena, but we can have sex. And he's like, cool, and I don't care at all about this couple. I mean, I have no interest. I literally don't like to look at the screen when they're making out. Yeah. I look away. It's not for me. Yeah. But on the plus side... Or maybe the negative side, we may not be with Rose much longer because the wolf bite is not healed. There's something there. Granted, we don't know what that is, if it's actually fatal, but we can see that it's not completely healed. What do you think is going to happen with the werewolf bite? Well, I'll say this. It's no coincidence that the first vampire we see get a werewolf bite is not one we care about. So the... It really could go either way. Like, if Damon got the bite, I'd be like, oh, that's not fatal. But Rose did. I mean, something is definitely bubbling up in it. It may or may not be, like, full fatal. Like, it might not be certain death, you know? But it might be, like, a Black Widow bite. Maybe you get necrosis if it's a really bad situation. What is necrosis? Like, your skin starts dying around the bite. Oh. So it could be any sort of, you know, there's all sorts of levels to venom. I'm approaching this as from a venom standpoint. Sure. That... You know, maybe you have to put a certain amount of... I mean, I don't think werewolves have venom. I'm just saying this is the, the, theory, the theory that I'm going with. You know, when you think about a rattlesnake, it's problematic to get a bite from a baby rattlesnake because they can't control how much venom goes into you. So you might get a ton of venom. Whereas, like, an older rattlesnake, like, you may or may not get that much venom because they're just trying to scare you away. They're not necessarily a, a murderer in that way. So it might be the same thing. There's some level of fatality and it might depend on how strong the vampire is how strong the werewolf is where the bite is who knows all those things so i I mean i think she could definitely die from this but i don't think it's a certainty do you think there is an anti-venom that exists for a werewolf bite i don't see why not where do you think they could get that anti-venom if it exists if i'm rose and my werewolf bite is acting up i might as well try some wolfsbane tea okay that seems like a, a start And then if that doesn't work, look from there. I mean, they only have so much werewolf info. So Rose, I mean, if there's an anti-venom, it may be a little too late for Miss Thing. But And she's been alive a long time. She's been alive a long time. And, you know, I think she's clearly run out of hair ideas. So I think her her life can end. Yeah. So do you think, if you had to guess yes or no, is Rose going to die from this werewolf fight? Keeping in mind that she's over 500 years old. And she's played by Lauren Cohen. If I had to guess, I'd say no. No, she won't die? No, she won't die. Okay. I am not 100% on that. It's a really like a 55-45 kind of thing. But I think she could get through this. Here's a question also. Do you think we're going to see any other vampires get werewolf bites? Well, it depends how fatal it is. Okay. If it's just going to kill you and it might take a few days, that's not really an interesting storyline compared to, like, getting staked is faster. I mean, I think if it's not fatal, yes, we'll see more get bites and find ways to heal them better or whatever. And, you know, it could be a situation, too, that it's not necessarily fatal, but a werewolf fight mixed with the vampire blood is doing something weird. You think about Teen Wolf, where you could get bit by a wolf, but then your body rejects the bite, and then, you know, if you're Jackson, you turn into a lizard guy. So... Maybe Rose is going to be a lizard next episode. I guess we'll see. (laughs) But that's the end of this episode. That's the mid-season finale. Quite a cliffhanger where 
almost halfway through this season. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think we're exactly halfway through this season because there's 22 mm-hmm. episodes. That's crazy. So we'll see where we go from here, but that's it for this week. As always, if you are enjoying this podcast or The Vampire Diaries, please tell your friends about both. And if you really want to show your support, feel free to give us five stars and a glowing review on Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast to keep tuned in through the week. But that's it for this week, so we'll see you next week. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.